This sermon is brought to you by Shofar Christian Church. We hope that you will be blessed by this message. Our audio and video sermons are also available on Shofar TV to download and share. Fantastic. I want us to jump into 1 Chronicles chapter 28. And um, I believe it's, it's something God is doing all across the world. I don't know if you've recognized or realized uh, but we have moved into the end times. Just the past two or three months, what has happened in Jerusalem and with the announcement and there's a tension, a spiritual tension um, because of things that are beginning to draw to an, to an end in the world. So if, if you don't know that yet, we are entering and most of the big biblical prophecies has already been fulfilled. And one of them has got the center around Jerusalem. And what's happening in Jerusalem at the moment, in Israel, where the whole world is turning. And some people are saying, no, but but God's attention is on Jerusalem. We're not Jewish, um, almost like, we don't have Israelitis. We don't like, oh, Jews, Jews, Jews. We also love the Palestinians, and we love the Jews. We love the Arab people. We love them because Jesus died for everybody. But there's a special... Uh, blessing on Israel, and that's why we must pray for the peace of Jerusalem. Uh, that's why Jesus wept over Jerusalem, and so we we have entered into very exciting times and yet very scary times. Um, and there, there's a group of people that will stand up called the Body of Christ that is making herself ready. And uh, obviously, lots of you are on holiday, but lots of there's a lot of weddings happening in this time. So my wife and I, as our hobby, we go to weddings. Over December and January, we had one yesterday and the day before that. And um, it, it is just so amazing when you realize that bride and that bridegroom, they've been preparing for a couple of months for this day. And that moment, you know, when, when that bride walks down that aisle, uh, if you're a believer and especially if you know the Holy Spirit, there's just something profound that happens. It's like eternity. It's a statement that happens. Um, and and it's, it's, it's so powerful. Um, when we see that the bride has made herself ready. Now, women, they prepare much longer than than um, men. We don't practice, you know, getting married, you know, from when we're young. But the girls have got like these little dresses and they're these princesses. And even when, when the people say that I do, they're in front of, you know, before they get married with the vows, the, the guy says, yes, I do. The lady says, I do. She's on cloud nine somewhere out there. She's been practicing her whole life for that, for that moment, you know. Um, <clears throat> but so, so we're going to say our dues before God. Um, and it's time for the church of Jesus Christ to renew its wedding vows, to realize that there's a marriage supper of the Lamb coming. And so today and next week and the week after that, we're going we're to talk a bit, bit about seeking God or being hungry for God. <clears throat> and um, there's a... Massive challenge to be religious, um, even in the charismatic church. Um, I, I've been through a couple of months of, of realizing how how intensely religious we even as the charismatic church can become. Because we sing nice songs, we put nice CDs into our car, they have nice words and they become background music. So you can sing with your lips, scripture says, but if your heart, if your heart is far from me, then... There's, there's trouble <laughs> because God is interested in our hearts. God is interested in you and, and I not studying about God but studying Him. 
And that's why we study the scriptures, not to have intellectual knowledge or to, to just, you know, go on and say, oh, I've been there, bought the t-shirt. We don't go on missions to, to just preach the gospel. We go to discover who God is. We get to know him. And so we're picking up on a scripture with David that was probably the guy who had a heart after God the most in scripture. You know, he had a, he had a temple that he built and it was a tent that just blew, the wind blew through it and the, the, the tabernacle and there was this Solomon's temple and there was a lot of great grandeur in the Old Testament. But there was one person that God said, this man has got a heart after me. This man I love so intensely. He's got he's got so many imperfections. He's he's um he's not the the Mister Hey the first prize. You know even when the the all the sons the brothers were standing there and, and the prophet was choosing the king. Do you know what David wasn't even there. The father didn't even consider David to be an option for God's anointed one. He was probably this little small guy with the spruiter, with the, what's spruiter in English? Sprites, okay? The small guy with the sprites and the dimples and the red hair running around there and just like didn't fit into the box. <laughs> and and so the, the father puts out all his best sons, the big ones, the huge ones, the muscle ones and all that stuff. And the prophet says, but now is are these all your sons? And then um, the father almost like he embarrassedly probably said, no, 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 I've got one more. You know, um, is, is, is out there, but I don't consider him ready to be an option. Isn't, isn't it amazing that God chooses the people that, that, that the world doesn't always see as the option, <laughs> as, as the best? Because God is interested in your heart. God is interested in my heart, and that's why we have to circumcise our hearts and trust God to have soft hearts. So here in First Chronicles, this is what David tells his son. As his son is going to build God, this huge temple, and as his son has got this legacy inheritance, he sort of gives him a bit of instruction. And we catch up in verse 8. Now therefore, in the sight of all Israel, the assembly of the Lord, and in the hearing of our God, be careful. Be careful, he says. Be aware. Focus, like the Nigerians would say, okay? Focus. Be careful. To seek out all the commandments of the Lord your God. He says, he says you're going you're gonna to embark on this massive journey. You're going to embark on 2018. Maybe you have got New Year's resolutions, a lot of ambition. Wow, it's going to be different than 2017 or 2016. And we all have that. Okay, go to the gym. Yarpi just signed up for the gym this week again. And, and, it, and it's amazing. We, we, we go like, ah, oh, the first month. They say the subscription at the gym is like huge the first month, you know? And that's where Virgin Active make all, all their money and all that stuff because after that, you know, the stats go down. People don't go to the gym anymore. That's why we, we've got something inside of us. We, we, we want to achieve or we want to go out there. We want to, we want something to be different. And so here's a change of season for David passing it over to Solomon and, and, and he says, be careful. Seek God. Seek all of his commandments. And he says, why? Because there's some things that need to happen. He says that you may possess this good land. Now they were already in the land. They were already occupying the land. And he says, be careful as you seek God, you need to possess the land that God has given you. Because it's so easy that the territory God has given you that you let it go. It's so easy that it will slip out of your hands or you'll get distracted with something else. He says, but when you see God, 
there's something he wants and something that's going to happen when you seek him, you're going to be able to possess your land. You're going to be able to put boundaries around your family, around your heart, around your emotions, around your intellect. And he says, and you will leave it as an inheritance for your children after you. Do you know that God is interested in you leaving an inheritance for your children's children? He says, when you seek him, that something is going to happen. There's going to be a blessing that flows through to the generations. Your children's children. So it's not just about you and I having this, oh, amazing quiet time this year and saying, oh, I bless the Lord. He loves me. He loves me not. And just go on with that. He says, there's something that's going to happen. Solomon, when you see God, there's an inheritance. You possess and there's an inheritance for your children after you. As for you, my son Solomon, in verse 9, he says, know the God of your father. So he says, as you seek him, the purpose of that seeking is mainly to know God. Not to know about him. Because he says, you, you must be careful here, Solomon, because it's easy for you just to continue in the same way that you've been continuing. Where you do a lot of stuff and you say, yeah, yeah, my father David had a heart after God and I'm building all this stuff and I'm just doing, I'm just continuing with the motions or with the religion. And you know, let me say this, especially if you're an Afrikaans person here, we went to this plate rage where all the matrics and congratulations to Sternberg and Keenan and Dylan and all those matrics here that, that, you know, passed and did all great stuff in there with the matrix results. But looking out there and you look at mainly Afrikaner young people that are rebelling against God, rebelling against the system. Do you know why? They're trying to do that because there's been three generations of Afrikaans people where many grandfathers maybe served God, but what they passed down was religion. They never passed down the heart of God. And we must be very careful, parents, don't pass down religion. Show your children the heart of God. And this is what David is saying. He's saying, be careful. that Don't just fall into a lot of things because you're going to do these mighty things. You're going to build this massive temple, Solomon, but you're going you're to walk away from the real inheritance if you don't know God. And then with that knowing, he says, and serve him with a loyal heart and with a willing mind talks about the attitude in which we will serve. He says, knowing God then is connected to serving God. Knowing God, say after me, knowing God is connected to serving God. Because we cannot see God if, we, if we're not servants. It talks about an attitude of our hearts. It says a loyal heart, a willing mind. He says, this is the attitude in which you come to know God. Come with humility. Come with serving and the greatest in the kingdom will be those who serve, Scripture says very clearly. So our prayer for this year should be, Lord, I want to know you, but teach me to be a servant. Because the greatest are the servant. Now, so, for some of us, like my wife Louise or Nareen or some people, you're just natural, natural servants. Did I say Nareen or Nareen? Nareen. Nareen. They just like, they're all behind the scenes, never want, want a, a microphone. You just see them serving, the toskas. You see people running around here, sitting there at the back, you know, doing the sound behind the stage. Even as we're sitting here, there are people praying behind the stage for the service because they're just natural servants. But we all, if you want to be great, you have to serve somewhere. And that's a challenge. You can't just say, hey, I'm coming to church and that's great because 
You have to serve. Because it represents the heart, the character of God. And now he begins to say, because he says, For the Lord searches all hearts and understands all the intent of the thoughts. Woo! <laughs> that's, that's a bit scary. The Lord searches all the hearts. He looks at your heart. He looks at your thoughts. He looks at the intent of your heart. It's like he comes and he puts a spotlight on it and says, Okay, Chris, let me show you your heart. And so sometimes what we see is like, oh, Lord, there's not like lack of stuff coming out here. But the Lord goes through and he searches your heart. Especially in those times when it's tough. Sometimes when you pray and you don't understand, it doesn't go the way you thought it's going to go. Then God searches your heart. He comes right there. And that's what he says. Look here. David, he says, he gives us some wisdom. He says, God is, is searching our hearts and he's looking all across the world for who will be servants, who will be those who want to really know him. And then he says, if you seek him, he will be found by you. But if you forsake him, he will cast you off forever. Isn't it amazing? Scripture always gives us a promise. He says, if you seek him, you will find him. And we're going to talk about that now, now, but let's just finish verse 10. Consider now, for the Lord has chosen you to build a house for the sanctuary. Be strong and do it. So he talks about the heart. He says, oh, there's a purpose. But he always comes to the heart first. Before you do things for God this year, are you seeking him? What's in your heart? What's in my heart? Are we looking out for him? Are we searching for him? Are we saying, God, I want to know you. I want to serve you. I want to please you first. And I want to worship you. Before we go and do and change the world and change Stellenbosch for Jesus and do a lot of stuff for him, before you become a good father, are you looking for him? Are you a good mother, a good husband? Are you searching him? I, I, do you want to know him? Are you saying, Lord, everything inside of me, I want to serve you. Because that's what Jesus will ultimately say when you and I appear before him. Good and faithful preacher. Good and faithful medical doctor. Good and faithful agricultural person. Good and faithful mom. No, no, no. Good and faithful servant. And so... He says, you're going to build this house for God, but you're going to need a lot of strength. And Nike, just do it. Just do it. <laughs> because you're going to be very afraid. People are going to have a lot of opinions. But he says, as you know, as God searches your heart and you're searching him, and, and in this process, God is going to give you a purpose. And as you begin to live that out, you're going to need a lot of strength. But just do it. Don't panic. Don't think too much about it. Just do it. It's called faith. And we're going we're gonna to talk a bit about that. Consider now, he says, be strong. Turn to your neighbor and say, be strong and do it. Thank you for your enthusiasm over here. Some people are still as the spirit of Tuvay a bit over them. It's raining. Oh, <laughs> okay. But sort of a couple of verses later, it gives us some of the keys and in verse 11, it says, Then David gave his son Solomon the plans, in verse 12, and the plans for all that he had by the Spirit. Isn't it amazing? You must go and read First Chronicles, because it gives all the details of how this house should be built, how this massive temple should be built. And then right here in the middle, it gives us a key. You can almost, you can almost like neglect or just pass over it. Who gave him the plans? He had it by the Spirit of God. But now you think like, 
No, 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 no. It, we, 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 we can talk about the prophetic. We can talk about the dreams and the visions and the up there, the wow, the, the, the visions, the stuff that we have from God, the big picture stuff. Yes, that we can get from God. But how can the Spirit reveal like the temple, the measurements of the temple and what should be where and where the altar should be? It, scripture says everything was given by the Spirit of God. And when you and I start to embrace, and, and this is very important because what we have is this massive dualism sometimes in the church is we have, we're spiritual on a Sunday, but then on a Monday when it comes to work, we, we the Holy Spirit isn't welcome. But David, when he understood God's heart, he said, no, no, no. Even the plans, even the little measurements and, and everything, how many meters it should be, and you must go and read it, it's sort of a boring part where you think like, whoa, why, why is, you know, all this stuff of how this massive temple should look. It says everything was divinely revealed by God, by the Spirit of God. And so in your studies, in your workplace, being, even, even when you make food, the Holy Spirit wants to be involved. Because when you see God, it means He's part of every part of your life. Can I get an amen? That was a good place to say amen, okay? I'm, I'm just busy with the introduction. It's going to be a long day if you don't like get some amens here, eh? Sure. So the, the challenge for us is as we see God, as we know Him, as we serve Him, is to say, Lord, be involved in my work, be involved in my studies, be involved in everything. Reveal even the natural things to me. Give me wisdom. Give me understanding. Because God, I'm building you a house. We are building God a house together. You're building into your family. You're building into your future. There's so many things in this year. But you can't do it without the Spirit of God. Don't try and do it on your own. We, we're completely dependent on Him. Now I want us to jump to a, a scripture that we know very well. That Jesus said in Luke chapter 11. Are you still with me today? Thank you for your enthusiasm. Luke chapter 11, verse 9 to 13. Promise that Jesus gave, he says, So I say to you, ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and who seeks finds, and to him who knocks it will be opened. If a son asks for bread from any father among you, will he give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will he give him a serpent instead of a fish? Or if he asks for an egg, will he offer him a scorpion? If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? There's a couple of things, you know, um, that we need to sort of just be aware of when Scripture talks about us. It says, your heart is evil. I, I, was, I was thinking a lot about this, the... Last year, you know, some, sometimes even we as parents, we tell our kids and the people around us, we say, oh, you're so amazing. You're the best kid ever. You like the, you like the, you, you, you like the sun shines out of your ears every day, you know? And, 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 and we believe in affirmation and we believe in celebration, but God says, uh-uh, there's nobody good under the sun. There's nobody good except the Father. He says, if you being evil, Sorry, that's why we need good news, <laughs> the good news of the, of the gospel. If you and I in any way think that we are good, we are deceived. Our hearts are evil. Primarily, we are seeking our own. Primarily, our heart is deceitful. And you cannot trust your own heart. Ooh, we don't hear that anymore in the church. The church just tells us, oh, you're so great. You're more than an overcomer. 
Yeah, but in Jesus. In yourself, uh-uh, <laughs> there's no way. <laughs> and all you and I can look at is just look at your track record. Look at the decisions that you made without God being involved. Didn't have a good outcome. Now everybody's staring at me. So, so let's just humble ourselves and for a moment think like, we're not good. But scripture says, if you ask him, he's a good father. In Christ, there's great goodness and there's perfection and there's righteousness, but only in Christ. You and me, we're nothing. There's, there's too much prosperity gospel and false grace gospel being preached these days. And then people get offended with God when they realize that, whoops, I am actually not good. The intents of my hearts are actually evil. And that's why when you look at David, I still love reading the Psalms. He just says, God, I don't know. I'm just a worm. I'm a nobody. I've messed up. But you, Lord, I run to you. You're my source. You're my refuge. But he says, yeah, hey, he will not give you a fish or a serpent instead of a fish. Verse 12, or if you ask for an egg, will he offer him a scorpion? If you then being evil, now how to give, give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly father? In James 1.17, it says, every good and every perfect gift comes down from the father of lights with whom there's no variation, no shadow of turning. He doesn't change, but every good gift, every good thing in your life, it comes from God. That nice smile on your face comes from God. That person in your life comes from God. That gifts, the intellect, the talents you have comes from God. Doesn't come from you. Doesn't come from me. Sorry. That's the good news. <laughs> so don't boast in that. Don't boast in those things. It's just a gift from God. And use the gifts to glorify Him. Sure, it's getting very quiet. Yeah. But hallelujah. In Matthew 7, it talks about the same scripture, just in the other gospel. Ask and it will be given to you. Matthew 7, verse 7 and 8. Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives and who seeks finds and to him who knocks it will be opened. Sure. So there's three words that the gospels talk about. Ask, seek, knock. So let's talk about the first one is Ask. You don't go to the wall over there and you go and ask the wall something. Okay? So I don't run over here and say, hey wall, how are you doing today? <laughs> Can you help me find direction? If we ask, it's always primarily because of relationship, because of a person. So in our pursuit of knowing God and being hungry, it's, it's about knowing Him. He is your prize. And that's what Moses also knew. He says, Lord, we're not going to go even into the promised land if you don't go with us. You, your presence are our exceedingly great reward. We are seeking you. So asking means is you have to stop to see and to know somebody in a relationship. Asking is about a person. It's about the Father and Jesus and knowing the Holy Spirit. So it says, ask. Ask, pursue relationship, pursue relationship with God, pursue relationship with the people around you. But that means asking is you don't know. You don't know the answer. If you tell somebody, it's different than asking. Eh? 101, logical. So the scripture says, don't tell God. He says, ask God. Ask. 
Go and ask. Pursue. And that means that you and I need to have a teachable spirit and a humble spirit because we've not arrived. We don't know the answer. We don't know what 2018 will be and have in store for us. But ask. Keep on asking. Don't stop asking because it's beautiful. It's like childlike. It's like, you know, and, and a lot of people say, no, 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 you know, you're just too childlike. No, no, grow up. Be responsible. You know, this is it. You're going to get into the real world. And I think like, oh, my God, now it's children that fine. You know, and if you like little, you have little children, two or three years old, they say, why, why? Uh, get into the car. We're going to go to church now. Why? Because we're going to be late. Why? Because the time is up. Why? Because I'm going to smack you. Why? Because you need discipline. Why? Because God tells so. <laughs> God tells me so. You know, and he goes like, why? Why do we lift up our hands? Why do we come to church? Why do you read your Bible? Why? Ask. And it's so beautiful about a teachable spirit. It keeps you humble because you realize you've never arrived. You've never come to the place where you can say, oh, I know it all. I've been there. Bought the t-shirt. Because there's going to be a lot of surprises in this year. There's going to be a lot of stuff that you don't know the answer to. But ask. Because God wants relationship. Otherwise, he would have just told you, okay, this is the 15-year plan for you. The first year, you're going to do this. The second year, you're going to do this. On the third year, you're going to meet your husband. You're going to marry them on the 13th of December. Then you're going to go do this. Then you're going to Here is, I'm sending you an email. Of the 15-year plan for your life. So many people bug God and say, God, God, what will give me all the details? And then he's just, just quiet sometimes. Because they want you to ask. The second thing is he says, seek. <laughs> ask, but, but, but once you've come to connect with relationship, now you have to seek. It means something is hidden. It's a mystery. The mystery of the scriptures, the mystery, it actually says that God actually hides himself from us. God doesn't just come and say, ta-da! He says, I want you to seek. Why? Because seeking is involved, there's faith involved. Now, if, you, if you've had children, then one of the games, or if you don't have children yet, prepare yourself, go and practice. One of the games you're going to play a lot is hide and seek. Now, I remember my son, sometimes we've, we would play it over and over, like this year, this was the year where the introverts in our family could decide where we're going to go during the holiday. And so that was a place where we went to the farm and nothing happened. We just were there, but there was a putt-putt, you know, a little putt-putt place next to it. So I played 50 putt-putt games per day. My putting is the best. Tiger can lose 2018 putting I will do because my son and I played putt-putt all the time, you know. But now... <clears throat> I remember playing hide-and-seek so many times, but now he's at a specific age, so then he'll say, Daddy, let's go play hide-and-seek. And then I say, okay, okay, you go and hide. And then he runs to his room, then he stands behind the curtain. Same place, every time. And they say, I'm counting till 10, I'm coming. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, I'm coming. And then he will shout, I'm not here. I'm not yet. Then he'll shout all the time exactly where he's standing, okay? But the purpose is finding, you know? So, so we go, and then I walk into the room, and now he's standing there. You can just see the feet under the curtain and the legs and all that stuff, and you can see the curtain move, and then he tries to be quiet, and then, then you go around, and then you, then you open up the curtain. He's saying, whoa! I found it! He goes like, ah! And then I go around, so let's play it again. Okay, okay, here we go back again. 
Get counting till 10. 10, 9, 8, 7. I'm coming. I'm not here. I'm not here. You go back to the room. But then you, no, no, no. Then you go to all the other rooms. Oh, he's not in the bathroom. Oh, he's not in the kitchen. Maybe he's in his room. So then we go to the room. We walk into the room. I wonder if he's under the bed. I wonder if he's in the cupboard. Then you open the cupboards. And then you come to the curtain. Because then the feet goes like, oh, you know, you can like, he's like excited. There's the things are going to happen, you know. And then you, whoa, I found you. Woo, let's play it again. And then you go all over again, yeah. <laughs> Wait till you get kids, man. Some of you single people are staring at me like that. You know? We're just going to babysit some kids. It's great. But there's a joy in seeking and finding. We play those games when we're small. And so God doesn't just put himself out there because why? He wants you to find. He wants you to discover. And it will involve some faith. May that be your heart's cry this year. That you say, God, I want to... Seek everything that you have for me, for my family, for us as a church. We want to discover. And there's something when you discover. It's something when you come to that place. When you go and look for that metric results and you stand up there and there's like a tension, like Keenan, a tension. And you go up like, whoa, it's going it's to come. <laughs> and when you find, you say, wow. Thank you, God. Thank you. Ask, seek. James 2.26 says it. And then the last one, I'm not even halfway with my slides, but we're going we're gonna to finish here and then we're going to pray, is knocking. I love what the Vines Dictionary says. Knocking means it's an importunity, not an opportunity, an importunity. Ace, do you know what that means? Okay, ask your wife. Importunity in dealing with God. So, I've asked, I'm, I'm, I'm pursuing relationship with him. I'm seeking I'm, uh, these, these treasures, these stuff. And Jesus said so many amazing parables. He says, once you find that treasure, go and sell, he'll sell everything. <laughs> because you found the treasure of life, you've realized like, wow, I've, I've found it. But then comes the knocking part. The knocking means, I don't knock open doors. I knock doors that are closed. I knock on doors to discover if somebody is on the other side. I knock on doors because some of them look locked and if there's nobody even at home. And so, knocking is the action following the desire in your heart to know God. The knocking is the outflowing of asking and seeking. And the knocking, the word with that knocking in the original, talks about a persistent knocking. An urgent knocking. So it's not like... It's like... Hello! Anybody home? Now... I'm not going to, I can say it because my teenagers are not here today, but I sometimes stand on the door and then I realize like, there's no response, there's no urgency when you sometimes knock on the door and you wait. You think like, wow, anybody home? 
Anybody not? But then you know they're in there, lying on their beds, producing something on Wi-Fi that the world is waiting for. Swear word in your house is Wi-Fi, you know? Wi-Fi me, Wi-Fi you, Wi-Fi later, you know? But wait, wait, some of you are going to get there. Hallelujah. But see, when you knock, and that's why in Revelation 3, later, it talks about a church that Jesus is standing and he says, if you hear my voice and open up, then I will come in, I will feast with you, I'll have this massive feast with you. But it's writing a letter in Revelation 3 to the church where Jesus is standing outside the door, and then Jesus begins to knock. And he says, but I'm not inside. It's not to unbelievers. We always quote it, say, hey, you need to get saved because, hey, Jesus is knocking on your door, and if you would open up the door. That's not a scripture to the unbelievers. It's a scripture to the believers. Because many times Jesus comes to stand, and then he begins to knock on your door. And he says, I, I want to in in that area. I, I want to know that. I want to speak to you about that. I want to come and feast, and you with me, but, but we need to come in. Don't let me stand outside the door of the church. There are many churches today where the, Jesus is not in the church. His, names may be, his name may be on that screen and worshipped and all that stuff, but Jesus isn't there. He's not welcome. But see, when we knock, we have a desire, we have an urgency, and what God is beginning to stir in the church is an urgency for His return. An urgency to know that we are a generation of Jacob worshippers that must seek his face. Go and read Psalm 24. Seek his face. Pursue him because it's the days of Noah. And the amazing thing about that door of the ark, the door was open for all the animals, Noah, his family, for everybody to come in. And then one day, God closed the door of the ark. Noah didn't close the door. One day, God closed the door. And there'll be a time when God closes the door again. And then it's too late. Because do you know what? The church has become a comfortable place. The church has become a place where we say to God, God, do you know what? You actually serve me because I need some breakthroughs in 2018. I just want you to give me a better year than 2017. And God will do that. But then we leave him out there again. And he wants in. He wants people that worship and serve him with all of their hearts. People that seek, that ask, that knock, that says, God, even when this door is closed, maybe it's going to stay closed. Maybe some others are going to open up. I don't know, but there's an urgency. I'm not talking about performance. Because performance is running around and just trying to bazooka the doors down. No, no, this is not, you know, then you run because you try to find your identity through what you do. No, this is about something in your heart and my heart, the urgency to seek him, to know him, and to please him. So knock. And for some of us, in some areas, it's going to be persistence. Some doors are not going to open up immediately. The modern day gospel says, no, no, they're going to open up. There's going to be breakthrough all the time. God is going to just prosper you. No, no, because it defies the object of searching, of seeking, of asking, of discovering, of conquering, of walking in to have a meal with God. You know, when you go to the Middle East, and I've told this story many times, but we were in Iran a couple of years ago, and, and and we met this family that was, the guy was a Muslim imam, so he was preaching to the Muslims. 
But he had a Christian friend and he persecuted this friend. And I, I don't know how many years this friend and his family prayed for this Muslim family. And one night there was a knock on the door. And um, they sort of had a heart's desire to just, because many of the people in the Middle East are very friendly, don't believe the news. They, in Iran, it's the most amazing, humble, amazing people that just need Jesus. They're not these militant people like the news say. Fake news, fake news, okay? Almost like Donald Trump there, but it's, you know, fake news. But it's a beautiful people that just don't know God. And so, so he said one night there was a knock on the door. So, so, but they always will prepare an extra meal for in case somebody comes. Just, isn't that beautiful? <laughs> always have an extra meal for a stranger that may come past. And may that be like, may the church be like that. that we're always ready to receive people. Always ready to open up our hearts for people. We know not just the end in ourselves. And so, um, so yeah, this man comes, walks, knocks on the door and says, oh, okay, we're about to eat. Will you come and eat with us? And so they sat down. They, so they started to talk about things and religious things and about the Quran and all this stuff. And then this man started to talk about, you know, the, now the Injils, which is the Gospels and which is in the Quran, talking about Jesus as a prophet. And if you've read it, and he says, yes, he's been searching and all this stuff and and just before they start, then this man takes a, the piece of bread and he says, can I take this bread and pray over it? And he says, yes, yes, you know, you're our guest. You eat first in the Middle East. So this man takes the bread and he breaks the bread. And then immediately he says, their eyes opened up. He says, the one we've been talking about is me. You need to serve me. I'm Jesus. And then Jesus disappeared. And the whole family came to salvation. Because they were searching. The most amazing things is happening in the Middle East at the moment. Jesus appearing to people in visions and dreams. Because people are searching for him. And when you search with, for me with all of your heart, you will find me. Isn't that amazing? But there are so many people in the church that lost their ability to search. To seek, to ask, to knock. Okay, because I've been there. And comfort people. Comfort and culture is one of the things that destroys the church in the West because we're so comfortable. And when you're comfortable just in where you are and everything goes for you, everything is nice, you've lost that hunger for God. You've lost that desire to know Him. You've lost those moments when you stand on the mountain and you look just out and you say like, wow. Especially if you come from the free state and there are no mountains and you stand here and say like, Wow. But then you must go to Nepal and the Himalayas and you stand there, wow. And the pastor said to me, no, you don't have mountains in Stellenbosch. You have hills in Stellenbosch. But then you look like, wow. God, how big are you? May this be the year where you don't lose your wow. You don't lose that teachability, that hunger for God, where every day you say, God, I want to search the scriptures. I want to be in the fellowship with other believers because even through my relationship with them, I begin to discover more of you because they're different and they've got different giftings. But I'm not going to be isolated and just me, I and myself. Lord, there's a community that I'm serving with because we are serving this town. We are serving this nation as believers. And in a couple of weeks, two or three weeks, we're going we're gonna to talk about God's heart for Stellenbosch. Why should we love the city? Why has God planted us here? Because there is a destiny, there is a redemptive purpose for this city. But will you stand with me this morning as we're going to conclude and pray for each other?
We'll continue with the other 10 slides next week. Maybe you can just put that scripture, Psalm 34, that, that part on there. And we'll come back to that. Just one or two slides up. Psalm 34, verse 10. The young lions suffer want and hunger. But the Lord... Have you got it? Okay. I'll read it to you. Psalm 34, verse 10. The young lions suffer want and hunger. But those who seek the Lord lack no good thing. Psalm 105, verse 4. Seek the Lord and His strength. Seek His presence continually. And you can go through it. I've got many scriptures here. David writes this. In Psalm 27, verse 8. Your face, Lord, do I seek. Psalm 119, verse 2. Blessed are those who keep His testimonies, who seek Him with their whole heart. Their whole heart. Don't hold back in 2018 by seeking God and by knocking and asking, saying, God, I don't want to be the same. Because when you find Him and you're being found by Him, it's not like God is lost. Some people say like, hey, I found Jesus. We shouldn't sing that actually. I found Jesus. No, 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 we can't sing that. Jesus found me. No, 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 no. I went looking for him and then I realized like he's actually been looking for me. (laughs) I found Jesus. No, he found me. I was lost. And you say, maybe you're standing here this morning and you think like, whoa, you know what? You don't know how bad 2017 and 2016 and 2015 was. I'm just hanging on. You don't, you don't know that I didn't have a holiday. You know, I didn't really rest and all that. So I'm just on survival mode. You, you, you don't know where I'm at spiritually. I've, I've messed up. I've backslidden over the holidays. I didn't even think about God. I just like did all of my own stuff and all that stuff. God is, God is definitely not going to accept me. But James says, not our James, the James of the scripture, when you draw near to him, When you take a step, He will draw near to you. He will never reject you. It's like when you have children and their nappies are dirty and everything is running out and just all over the place. And you're just like, Stefan, you and Coro, you're going to find that out. You know, sometimes it's just like, it's not, it's not, it's, it's like streams of living waters flow all over the place, you know. But you know, if, if, if somebody else's kid messes up in their pants, you get so nauseous. But if it's your own kid, you just get into the job and you clean it up. Because there's something about relationship. There's something about your heart as a parent towards that kid. You don't say, oh, go and clean yourself out there. You say, whoa, what did you eat? But you say, come. Let's deal with these issues. Let's deal with this nappy. You've been wearing it too long. Let's teach you how to get out of the nappies. But that's part of God's heart for you for this year is that you will know His goodness. 
But you will only know it when you seek Him. When you ask. When you knock. Sometimes keep on knocking. Too many times we pray something and we leave it there. Yes, sometimes we pray the prayer of faith. And then it happens. Sometimes you have to persistently keep on asking. Some of you are praying for family members that are wayward, that have run away from God. Keep on going. Say, God, I know. They'll come to you. Some of you have desires in your heart that God has placed there and you feel so far from that. Keep on asking. Keep on knocking. Keep on seeking. Say, God, you are faithful. Doesn't matter what happens around me. I'm not going to determine my relationship with you based on my circumstances because there's something in my heart that you've done. I'm asking. I'm knocking. But not like the new ages and all the other people that never find somewhere out there karma. I know there's a reward. Because when I seek, I am going to find. When I knock, it will be open. When I ask in His name, it will happen. Because it's Him that I'm seeking. So we're going we're gonna to sing a worship song, but I want us to take a minute today, or two minutes. Maybe some of you must stay longer because you haven't even thought of consecrating your year to God. Then I want you, as the band is going to continue, just to sit where you are, stand where you are, find a space somewhere. Say, God, I want, I want to seek you this year. I want to know you. There's some scary times coming. There's some stuff that's going to happen in the world that is going to make a lot of people very afraid this year. But those people who know their God shall stand strong and do mighty exploits. Daniel 10. Those who know their God shall stand strong and do great and mighty exploits. And we're going to talk about that scripture. We're going to talk about Daniel and Daniel's life and how Daniel, it was crazy around him. But Daniel knew God. It was amazing. Yesterday when Angus sent me that scripture, after a week I was thinking about knowing God and the scripture was on my heart. He just sent it. It says, this is the scripture for Stellenbosch and for you guys down there. And I said, hallelujah, God. Those who know their God shall stand strong and do great and mighty exploits. But it's about knowing Him. Thank you for listening. Remember that our sermon audio and videos are also available on Shofar TV. Go to www.shofaronline.tv to download and share.